dismissed at this time to their classes. Um, the teachers will meet them in the back and take them. Um, if you are able to open your Bibles with, to the book of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in Luke 2, verse 25, and we will read through to verse 28, or 38, 38. <clears throat> And if you would remain standing for the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, when you got it, say so. And it says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring, to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. God, thank you so very much for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that we are reminded today as we begin Advent, Lord, that our hope lies in our great God and our great Savior. Today we pray, Spirit of the Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our ears, that you would encourage and build our faith. God, we want you to be glorified in these moments that we have together now. May we not just be hearers of your word, but may we be doers of it. And may this season of Advent bring change and transformation to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, if you would, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you an outline. And you will notice um, if you don't, if you, if you, um, once you get the outline is that these outlines are a booklet. Um, and what we have done last year, last year was the first year that we actually participated in Advent. And um, we walked through the four weeks of Advent. Um, last year, there was actually five weeks because of the way that um, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so we had an introduction sermon to what Advent 
Advent was, and it worked out because it was our first time ever doing this. Um, so for those of you that may have never participated in Advent before, today is going to be a special starting to this season for you. So the reason why I want to point out to the, the outline that you have there is because this is a booklet, and you're going to notice this booklet is actually going to walk you through the entire month of December, okay? And so the whole month of December, at least up until um, Christmas Eve, it's going to walk you through that time. And the goal is that we utilize this as a, as a, as a time that we can do daily devotionals and stuff. Um, but I want to read to you, and this is also going to take place, or uh, take the place of the handouts you will get weekly. So what does that mean? That means you should bring this with you, right? You should put this in your Bible. You should make sure that you have this every Sunday when you come so you can take notes. Um, we obviously have extras for you, but we want to make sure that you're able to participate. But I want you to open up to the first page there, and, and I want you to just read along with me. I'm going to read this for you, but I want you to understand our heart in this Advent season. And we've entitled this Advent season, Do You Get It? Do you get it? Because the most important thing for us is that you get it, right? That you understand what God's word says, that at all times that you really grasp what the scriptures are communicating, right? That you will really be able to embrace the truth that God is speaking in your life. And what I realize is this, is that until you get it, you won't live it. Until you get it, you won't live it. And so anything we're talking about during Advent, it's such an important time, right, for us to pause, for us to sit back and say, wait a moment, what is Christmas really about? What is Christmas really, really about, right? What is, what, what is really going on? And so here's what I want you to see. A question that we often hear and probably ask after Christmas is, what did you get, right? Like you go, to, you go to work after Christmas and the question is, what did you get? And then, you know, you're like, well, I got this or I didn't get this or, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, you start talking about those things, right? This causes us to recount the gifts we got and either really wanted or didn't, right, or appreciated or didn't. And ultimately, will be meaningful and lasting or not, right? I mean, it's just true, right? Like some people hook you up with things you didn't want to be hooked up with. Hallelujah. Things you didn't know you needed, glory to God, right? And so, you know, so those types of things happen. As you, will, as you will hear on Sundays during the candle lighting of each service, and I hope you pay attention. We, we switched it up a little bit um, this year. We have a skit that our kids are actually participating in, and we wanted you to kind of, uh, or them, to be part of this service, this part of the service, and for them to contribute to the service. But there's one thing that stood out to me as you read through this, and it's these words. The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats. I know those seem like they're never ending. We will get bored with our Christmas toys and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get for Christ, from Christ this Christmas and always, hope, peace, joy, and love will go with us all our life. And so the question is, are we going to get it? Our prayer this Christmas season is that you get it. When Jesus walked the earth, as you will see, as we'll see in Luke, until after his resurrection, his disciples didn't really get it. When you read throughout the scriptures, there's moments where Jesus is like, oh, ye of little faith. And he says things like, how long must I be with you? Why was he saying this? Because his disciples weren't getting it. The people around him weren't getting it. They were following him, and yet they weren't getting it. And so what we see is this. The, the, the thing for us is that may you get it. 
As, we, as you walk through Luke daily, prayerfully, may your eyes be open, may your heart be penetrated, and may your life be changed as you realize Jesus is the gift we get. Amen? He is our hope, our peace, our joy, and our love. Jesus as the gift of our life, it, as the gift is our life, and that life is eternal. When we get it, we can share it. That is the goal that we get, that, that we get the magnitude of the words that Mary declared. And this is the theme verse for this entire um, series that we have. And I'll be sharing more on this on Christmas Eve. He who is mighty has done great things, as the song that we sang today. He who is mighty has done great things. Before the birth, Mary was carrying the promise. Got, get that. Before the birth, Mary was carrying the promise. Hope was already within her womb. Before Jesus walked the earth, hope was there. She was impregnated with the hope that we now celebrate today. And before that happened, she sang this song. She declared these words. And yet we even know with her, we know that she didn't always get it either. And to help us get it, we will be walking through the book of Luke one chapter a day until Christmas Eve. So here's the challenge for you and your family. Just so you know, I was reading on Facebook. My sister Marisol, she posted something a few weeks back. And as I was preparing and thinking about what we were going to do for Advent, I said, you know what? I think that's a great idea. Let's walk through the book of Luke. Let's start today, December 1st, and read one chapter a day. And as we read one chapter a day, it will bring us all the way up until Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Eve, we will have read the entire narrative of of, of Jesus's life. And let me tell you why Luke is such an important book, right? You guys, I, I didn't realize this. And I, and I always, I, I knew this, but it really didn't like hit me until I actually had to do a report on this. So it's good to like do reports on scripture, right? And here's the thing. When you look at all of the gospel writers, right? You look at Matthew, you look at Mark, you look at John, those guys were all Jewish. I want you to notice something. Luke was a Gentile. Right? This is important. This is very, very important that you get this. Luke was not Jewish. He wasn't, he wasn't Jewish. Therefore, he has a different perspective in his writing. Not only was he a physician, not only was he well-educated and well-studied and knew how to research, obviously, but Luke understood some things that were really, really important from a Gentile perspective. And so when Luke writes of these words here that we read of Simeon, and notice the last words that Simeon declares, Simeon says this in verse 32. He says, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so what, what Luke is, is recognizing in much of what he communicates, he's, he's communicating this from the perspective of one who, who is a Gentile, who wasn't one who was born into this covenant relationship like most of the other writers of the, uh, of the scriptures who were, who were all <coughs> We're all Jewish, as we can see here, it's, and we, we can question about Ruth and see who wrote that. But what we realize is this, is that Luke writes these scriptures to inspire us and to give us a perspective. So we as Gentiles, because us in here, unless you're Jewish by birth, you are a Gentile. You were a person who was not part of God's covenant originally, and yet now, because of what Christ has done, we get to celebrate and we get to rejoice in him, and we have this great hope. And so what's the idea? Here's the idea, and here's the challenge for you, church. And I hope you'll do this, right? I'm so excited. Josiah got a new Bible, and so we've been telling him, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to use your new 
Bible so that way every day in the book, uh, every day in the month of December, we're going to read one chapter in the book of Luke. And so we're going to sit down as a family and we're going to take about 30 minutes. We're going to read through a chapter. We're going to talk about that chapter and we're going to pray together and ask God to direct our hearts more toward him in the season. So number one is this, read one chapter of Luke a day starting December 1st. So that's today. So today, sometime at some point, sit down with your family, read one chapter, set a time to do this with your family. So for those of you that have kids that have different schedules, what that means is if you're going to take this challenge, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to sync your schedules to make sure that this is a priority. And I think that this is good because what this does is it pulls us away from all of the hustle and bustle that we see in the month of December, right? We see so much going on. Everybody's so busy. We have Christmas parties galore, right? I mean, work parties happening all over the place. People having parties. You're having gift exchange, cookie exchange. You're having all kinds of stuff going on. And can I tell you something? All of that is all good, but none of that has anything to do with Christmas. None of that has anything to do with what we celebrate as Christians, right? And so when you go on ahead and you mark that time on your calendar and you say, we're going to sit down, what you are saying is what Christmas is really about and what this season is really about is getting closer to the one who died for us, who rose for us, the one who gives us our hope. The third thing is discuss the chapter. So don't just read it, right? Discuss the chapter. Ask some questions. What stood out to you? Those are good questions. Like, what do you think about that? Wrestle with some stuff together. I encourage you to do that as you walk through the book of Luke and point out some things, right? Um, I encourage you, dads, you know, moms, don't, don't become a preacher at the moment, right? Like at that time, try to draw out from your children to hear from them, right? But, but at the same time, don't just stay silent, right? Like point out some stuff to them that they can see the richness of this gospel narrative. Pray from the chapter. Let something jump out at you from this chapter and just pray just like God, you know, just ask him to, to give you grace, right? To give you wisdom, to be able to pray from these scriptures as you're reading a scripture as we did and we looked at verse 32 just a, a prayer can simply be saying God thank you so much for coming to this earth and being a light in my life, for being a light to the Gentiles, for taking me out of the darkness, for taking me out of my hopelessness and my despair and delivering me from my sin, right? Just looking at a scripture like that and seeing how you can discipline and learn to pray from the scriptures. Be present for each service. I want to challenge you to do that. Make sure that you're here every Sunday. We have two services for you, right? So make sure that you come and that you join in so that way you can participate in everything that we're doing in this time together and pray um, that we all get it. Amen? That's the prayer that we would all get it. And so here's my question for you this morning. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Because that, that, that's what this is. The beginning of this series is on hope, right? Do you have hope? Are you a really hopeful person? I'm going to end with the admonition from the apostle Peter. But, but, but Peter tells us that we should be ready, right, to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And I often say this, if you do not have hope, guess what you don't have an answer for? Hope. If you're not, can I tell you what else? No one is ever going to ask you about your hope. I love the way Peter poses that, right? Because he's like, man, get, be ready to give an answer, right? You only answer questions, amen? That's what we do. We give answers to questions. And so what we find here is Israel was hopeful and at the same time a little bit hopeless. It had been like 400 years of silence since the time of the last prophetic voice that spoke, 
And that last prophet who spoke, that last prophet who declared, thus says the Lord, the children of Israel had gone through so much, so many things has happened to them in their captivities and all of the stuff that was going on in them. They became very legalistic. They were trying to usher in this Messiah that was to come. And so they had a hope in Scripture, and, and they were trying to work that out, but yet there was a hopelessness that set in. Can you imagine waiting 400 years? Of course you can. Come on now. <laughs> you can. I mean, 400 years. Just, just, just think about, think about your, your grandmother, right? And if, she, and, and if she has passed away, I'm sorry that, to make you think about that sad moment. But think about your grandmother. Think about your great-grandmother. I had the privilege of knowing my great-grandmother. I think she was like 96, 98 years old before she passed away. I, I saw her. Can, can, I, I think about 100 years, 100 years of her life. A hundred years went by, and imagine her passing away and telling me, hey, there's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior coming. Watching things go from bad to worse, things become more difficult, more strenuous, and, and, and then you move on. So imagine that for three other great, 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 great grandmothers were communicating, and you're still telling people. See, that's the problem with people today when we talk about Jesus coming. They're like, when? Seriously. And like, when? And, and, and the truth is, the church is not really hopeful, right? We're not expressing this hope of Christ and him coming. And so what do we have to do? We have to be those people who look at these scriptures and say, wait a second, we can have hope. So what is hope? This is what I want you to think about this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Hope is faith that God will. Hope is faith that God will. That's what hope is. It is faith that God will. You don't know when, and let me tell you something, you don't even know what. You just know God will. That's what you know. That's what hope is. You know that God will. God will step in. God will do something. God will answer. God will direct. That's the thought that I want you to have when you think about hope. Hope is the faith that God will. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down and say this with me. Say, just as Simeon... We have a real hope. Just as Simeon, we have a real hope. And so what do we see about Simeon here? Well, first of all, let's read through this. Let's look at verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. In other words, he was a holy man. He was a man who was seeking after God. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort that was to come for Israel. See, see, this man, Simeon, he was a man who was reading God's word. He was a man who was believing God's word. And because of that belief, he was waiting for this consolation. What is this consolation? It is what many in Israel are still waiting for today. They are waiting for the Messiah that is to come, the king of the Jews, the king to sit on the seat and the throne of David. They are waiting for this Messiah to come, not really realizing that Messiah has already come and he's coming back. But Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for this comfort that was to come. And the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Think about that. He's the guy like knows he can't die until he sees the Christ, until he sees this Messiah, right? Like, bro, no matter how you feel, right? I remember seeing my great-grandma. I would go see her. I promise you, for like the last five years of her life, I would go over there, and every time I would go over there and see her, every time I would say, Grandma, you know, how you doing? And she'd be like, well, I'm still here. I don't know why. 
<laughs> it doesn't tell us how old Simeon was, right? It simply says, and I would assume that it points that out, because it was, it was that, man, this guy had to be around, and he probably didn't want to be around. He was like, I'm good, but God said, no, I made you a promise. You are not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. And so he comes by the Spirit of God, and when he sees the parents of Jesus, he raises him up, and he does, he does what? He blesses God, and he says these words, Lord, now. He's like, praise the Lord, I can die. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I can die. Praise the, I, I'm, I'm good, Lord, I've seen him, can I go, right? I'm achy enough, right? I've had enough. And so he sees him and he says, you are, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, can we just pause for a moment? He was holding a baby. He was holding a baby, all right? He was holding this little baby, and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your deliverance. Does that sound like a man filled with hope? That sounds like a man that was filled with hope. He looked at this baby. He looked at this seedling, right, if you want. He looked at this little, and he said, my eyes have seen your salvation, church. He looked at, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Think about this. His, this, is, this is how big this man's faith was. Think about how many children die, and they never make it be beyond you know, a certain ages. And, and he knew that because of God's promise that he was looking at the salvation of the Lord. Not maybe Savior, no, the salvation of the Lord. Church, that's hope. See, when we can look at God's promises, when we can look at God's word and we can hold it, that's what he was looking at, was he not? He was looking at God's word. He was, he, didn't, he, he was looking at God's promise. When we can look at God's promise and we can say, you know what? God is showing me his deliverance. God is showing me his salvation. That is the type of hope that you and I are supposed to have. And so he goes on and he says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your peoples. Again, Paul, I mean, um, Luke writing from the perspective of a Gentile. He is writing, he's communicating that this light is coming. They're, listen, the Gentiles were in the dark at all, up until this point. They weren't in the light, but now this light was going to shine. And so Simeon declares that. And it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him. It's funny because I asked you earlier, I talked to you earlier about getting it, right? And it's funny that they marveled at this moment. It wasn't like they were like, yes, we know. You know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you go to someone and say, hey, man, you're so handsome. They're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're beautiful. Yeah, I know. But, you know. but there's other people, you tell them you're beautiful, like, oh, really? And, and, you know, and all of a sudden, right, it's like their whole life changed because you told them something, right? In this case, it's almost like, do y'all understand? Do, do you really know? But it's like this moment comes, and they actually begin to see, wow, man, this is amazing. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Notice that this is difficult. There's going to be people that are going to fall. There are going to be people that are going to rise. There are going to be people that are going to come to faith. There are going to be other people that are going to stumble and turn away. That's just the reality of what happens. And then I want to wrap this portion up here because Simeon had real hope. But then notice there is a woman by the name of Anna in verse 36. It says, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the, the, 
of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. Now, we know that she was older and had lived with a husband 70 years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. I love this. This woman was devoted to the Lord. And verse 38 says, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. So when all of this is happening with Simeon, she comes in at that moment, gives thanks to the Lord, and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. And so the first thing we realize today is what? Is that just as Simon, you and I have real hope. God doesn't always show up, church. He does not always show up when or how we want, but he shows up. Amen? He doesn't always show up like we think he's coming, but he shows up none the less. The second thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, just as Paul had real hope, so do we. So turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. And so I want you to realize when you look at the book of Acts, okay, so we see the book of Luke and we see the book of Acts. And they're separated by the gospel of John. But really, whenever you go and you study the book of Luke, what they have, the way they have Luke and Acts, it's Luke and Acts together. It's like Luke, you could say Luke is like Luke 1 and Acts is Luke 2 is what it is. Because it's the same author who writes these books and they're written to the same person, Theophilus, and he's writing again, communicating what God is doing. He's recording from research and we know like toward the middle of this book, he actually joins Paul on the missionary journey there. But he, he records these words. Look at um, chapter, uh, Luke chapter, I mean, Acts chapter 28, verse 20. It says this, and the apostle Paul, we're just going to read from verse 17. Let's just read from verse 17, and we'll catch what Paul is trying to say here. Acts chapter 28, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause to, for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I have anything to, of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because of the hope of Israel. I am bound with chains. Then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of our brethren who came reported or spoken anything evil of you, but we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, uh, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until night. And some were persuaded by the things which he spoke, and some disbelieved. And so here's what I want you to see, is that the apostle Paul here, he had hope did he not 
This, we're coming to the end. This is the end of the book of Acts. And, and, and as you can see here in the book of Acts, and we're, we're gonna, we'll keep reading this to the end. I want you to see how it ends. It's, it, it's ending here. He's in, they called it his lodging, right? But he's still like on house arrest or something like that. And Paul has this hope. And he tells him in verse 20, he says, crystal clear, for this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with chains. <clears throat> Why was Paul in incarcerated. He was incarcerated for one thing. He hadn't broken any laws. He hadn't broken any laws. He had had not done anything wicked. We'll say it that way. Christianity wasn't legal. The preaching of the gospel message wasn't legal. Nonetheless, he hadn't done anything evil. And as, as he points out here, he says what? He says, every time that I was brought before someone to go ahead and look at my, my situation, what do they want to do? They want to let me go. They wanted to let me go because I hadn't done anything wrong. There was nothing there for them to say that I had done wrong. And so what Paul does is what? He communicates his hope. And so read on in verse 25. He says, so when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown own dole. Their eyes are hard of hearing. Their, ear, um, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. And so again, we see that he does what? He preaches the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. Nobody hindering him. And this is how the book of Acts ends. It doesn't end with an amen. It doesn't end with a prayer. It ends with the preaching of the gospel. Why is that? Because we are supposed to be those people who are a people of hope. The same way that Paul was. And even though he was going through difficulty and hardship and he was being falsely accused and he was incarcerated for no reason, he still maintained his vision. He still maintained his focus. Why, church? Because he had hope. And the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we are called... To be vessels of hope. We are called to be vessels of hope. I want you to turn to one more place with me, please. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. First Peter chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 13. When you got it, say so. And it says this. It says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But what does he say? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And so again, what does he tell us in verse 15? He gives us some key things here. How is it that you and I are supposed to be vessels of hope? 
He says these, these key words, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What does that mean? That means separate the Lord Christ, the Lord God in your hearts. When I talked earlier today about separating a time that you can read the scriptures together as a family and that you can walk through this devotional until, the, uh, until Christmas Eve, the, the, what you're doing there is you are sanctifying and you're setting apart a time. And so if we are going to be a people who are of hope like Simeon was or like Paul was, you know what these two men have in common besides the fact that they're Jewish is that these seem to be men who were well versed in the scriptures. How is it that we sanctify the Lord in our hearts? It is by us separating time with the Lord. Are you here? It is by us separating time with God and allowing God to speak to our hearts. It is by us making sure that there is no idol in our heart that is higher than our God, that there is no thing in our heart that is greater than who Jesus is, that there's no desire in our heart that is higher than the glorification of Christ in our lives. That is what it means to sanctify the Lord in our hearts, that no ambition, no goal, nothing is greater than our desire to to know him that he is greater than everything else that is what it means to sanctify him in your hearts church when you and I sanctify the Lord in our hearts you know what happens to us we become a hopeful people we become a people that have hope. When people are walking around talking about how hopeless, when people are talking about the gloom and doom, can I tell you some church, even in the midst of the gloom and doom, guess what? There's still hope. You know why? Because the one who may be bringing the gloom and doom, a.k.a. judgment, the one who may be bringing judgment, guess what? He's the one bringing judgment, is he not? Therefore, I know that I'm not under his condemnation if I am walking with him. Therefore, I have hope in the midst of the gloom and the doom. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the trial, I have a hope in church. If you will be hopeful in this world, I guarantee you, pre preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel won't be so difficult. You know why? Because people will be asking you, how can you be so hopeful in this time of despair? How can you be so hopeful in this time of discouragement? How can you be so hopeful in the midst of whatever they see going on around? Hey, you know what? It's because we have a hope that doesn't die in this world. And the only way that we know that, and listen again, the only way that we get that is when we are really spending time with him. It is when we are really spending time in his word, allowing his word to renew our mind, to renew our thinking, to renew the way that we feel about life and for us to be able to have that hope. That's what he calls us to. And so here's my closing question for you today. Where does your hope lie? Where does your hope lie? Does it lie in the things of this world? Does it lie in the job that you have or don't have? Does it lie in a 401k that's booming right now and may not be booming tomorrow? Hello. Where does your hope lie? I don't know. Listen, we have hope in a lot of different things, right? I just preached a politically correct series. I'm not going to go back to that, but a lot, we have hope in those things. We have hope in politicians. We have hope in legislation. That's all good. Listen, our greatest hope needs to be in Christ and Christ alone because he is the only one that doesn't dis disappoint. He is the only one that doesn't let us down. He is the only one that we can trust no matter what we're going through, church. That is what real hope is. 
And my hope and my prayer is that you are a hopeful people and that in this season, if you are lacking hope, if you're walking in fear, if you're walking in doubt, if you're walking in discouragement, that you will walk in the hope that God offers you. Amen? Let's all stand on our feet and let's pray together. Bow your heads, please. And listen, I don't know where you're at in this place, but if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, today is the day that you can become a follower. Today is the day that you can serve him with all of your life, with all of who you are. And so if you're not following him today, bow your hearts before him. Humble yourself before him. If you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in your walk today, lay those things down and allow the Spirit of God to build and strengthen your faith to live for his glory. Let me pray. Father, we humble our hearts before you today. And we thank you so very much for the great grace that you have shown us. We thank you so much for the great mercy that you have shown us. We thank you so much for your wonder, for your majesty, for your power, and for your might. Lord, may your kingdom, may your kingdom be manifested in our hearts in this season. May your kingdom be manifested in our lives in this season. Lord, we thank you. We pray that hope would arise. We pray that we would be a people that are filled with hope. A people that are filled with hope. A hope that is lasting. A hope that is as durable as you are, God, who died and rose again. We praise you today. And we honor you, God, for you truly are worthy. I want to invite the ushers to come forward really quickly. And as I ask them to come forward, we're going to prepare to participate in communion. And here's what I want you to realize is that during the time of communion, we share.